I was asked to talk about healing and being a healer. Good question. Good topic. First off, I think everyone has the potential to be a healer. And everyone also has the potential to be disruptive or cause harm. So being a professional healer is not necessary in order to be a healer. Anybody who does any kind of recovery work is a healer. You break the generational ancestral traditions, whether they are of racism or abuse or substance abuse. If you change that pattern, you are a healer. If you work on yourself, you are a healer. Often what I refer to as being a secret agent, which is my favorite way of healing because there's no ego involved, there's no money involved, there's no recognition involved, there's only personal and spiritual satisfaction. It's very rewarding. And what does that mean to be a secret agent is wherever you go, you do your best, you reach out to people, you stay connected to spirit in your reaching out. So you're not reaching out from ego or codependency or enabling. And when you're a secret agent, it means you can be a janitor in a school and save some child's life by listening to them or speaking with them. When you're a secret agent, the people who need to find you, desperately need to find you, will be able to find you because, as a friend once said, you become spirit's candle in a dark corner. And that is my favorite way to work. Being in a healing profession, being a doctor, nurse, healer, teacher, social worker, that's a really different story. It's kind of like people I know who want to be artists or think they're artists. And I did teach in an art college for a while and worked in the arts myself. Doing the arts because you love it and it's fun is really different than making a living at it. When you make a living at it, very often you have to do what others want you to do. You have to produce things on deadlines and goals. You are subject to the critics, opinions of the public, because after all, art is for a public. It's a whole different world. Tremendous amount of pressure, and you need a lot of strength of character. And if you read the biographies of some artists or autobiographies, you will see how hard that world can be and how strong you need to be to do art your way when you need to make it your living. So when you are a professional healer, there is the pressure of making a living. And I will say in the new age arena, any professional I've met 
with very few exceptions, <laughs> have money, either from a spouse, disability, retirement, or trust fund, or something like that. And those that don't are heavy into marketing and into the marketing formula, which means that they need numbers in order to make enough money to make a living. So being a professional healer, you are under financial pressure. If you're working for an organization as a therapist, social worker, counselor, good girl, Pia, get the bunnies. If you are a teacher, nurse, doctor, you are going to be working under the constraints of your bureaucracy, and the job of a bureaucracy is to keep itself alive, and service to clients typically comes second. Survival of the organization typically comes first. So now that I have completely busted your fantasies of healing <laughs> and being a healer, let's talk about what healing is. My ideas, anyway. We can heal on the physical, the mental, how people think, how they're trapped in their thinking, and emotional and spiritual. People have lost faith. Or perhaps they have other lifetimes bleeding through, causing problems. Come on, P. Go get them. She's not as happy because I'm not talking to her. Oh, there's a bunny. Okay. Go get the bunny. Go get it. Get it. Being a healer. The biggest issue, I think, is whether or not you're on a path yourself. Whether or not you're working on yourself and you have a spiritual practice. Healing draws in, it appeals to the wounded. Because if you're wounded and you're not working on yourself... Working on others is pain relief for you. It makes you feel so good that your pain diminishes at least for a while. So you will see a lot of times that many therapists are wounded people and a great deal of them become therapists as a way to work on themselves. Not really, but let's say to work on their own pain, to subside their own pain. Many teachers become teachers as a way to kind of be in control or in power and feel less vulnerable. Some of them don't have social skills. So being a teacher, they are in charge. doesn't matter what their social skills are. So what I'm saying is if you're not working on yourself and you're reaching out to others, you will not be sure whether or not you're doing this because of your own wounded self and trying to heal your own pain, I would actually say medicate your own pain by reaching out to others. 
that's one thing to look at. Another thing to look at is your chart, your life chart, whatever system you use. There's a number of systems out there. Do you have healing in your chart? Or are you here to be a mother or a father? Are you here to learn an enormous amount of lessons for yourself and clean up your life, clean up lifetimes of karma? In which case, you can be a secret agent as you work on yourself, climb your own mountains, share your journey, spirit will send people to you that need you. So the first thing is really looking at where are you coming from? And I can't tell you how many people I've met who said, you know, spirit came to me or my guidance told me or I had a dream or a vision and maybe they did. But my take on lots of those stories is there are people with lots of imbalances and I guess in psychology we call it spiritual bypassing. So rather than work on the fact that their serotonin levels are low or perhaps they're a secret alcoholic or suffering from depression, etc., that somebody from the other side came and talked to them and gave them a mission. This isn't true just of spirituality, by the way. When I was a community organizer and working with the poorest of the poor in America, my mother, who had a history of this also, community organizing, reminded me, she said, when you're working with the oppressed, they're not healed people, so they're going to do things that can be pretty rough because of the oppression they have lived under. And boy, did that save my life because one wants to romanticize the poor and romanticize being a community organizer. And it's also been noted by many that a lot of crazy people are drawn to spirituality whether it's religion or new age religion or new invention religion. <laughs> and a lot of crazy people are drawn to be therapists. So make sure you have a practice in place, first of all. Make sure your life is in order. See if you can get a life chart done. And make sure that you're grounded in your spiritual connection, not your ego and not your wounds. And this is really hard to figure out, this stuff. And lots of times when I work with people, I'll hear, no one's ever said this to me before. Well, yep, because you lose clients, you lose money <laughs> when you say something to someone like, um... You're not really bipolar. You're not really having visions. You have some chemical toxicity going on. <laughs> and once we straighten that out, let's see who you really are. 
that's not as romantic as visions and entities and energy rushes, etc. And believe me, all those things are real. They are. But since they're the unknown world, it's very hard to prove them. So anybody can claim it. Anybody can claim to be coming from God and most cult leaders, all cult leaders, I guess, and lots of criminals. If you investigate any criminal stories, kidnappings, rape, pedophilia, God's telling them this is their sacred duty. So get on a journey to heal yourself first. And then we have to look at how do we know to step in as a healer? Well, first off, has anyone asked you for their help? (laughs) Because if you're just jumping in, you have not been given permission. In other words, someone did not ask you a question. Someone did not ask for your help. If I, let's say I have a teenage living with me who is a friend of the family or my daughter's son or something like that who really needs help but isn't asking for help, they're a teenager. In that case, I can simply share my process with them. In other words, I'm not giving them advice, I'm not fixing them, I'm not healing them, but I can share from an I perspective what I've gone through, what they say in 12-step, share your experience, strength, and hope. And maybe through that, some trust and closeness will be built, and then maybe they might begin to ask you questions. Then you have permission to move in and do something perhaps a little deeper. But I can tell you that just sharing your experience, strength, and hope is one of the greatest things you can do for other humans, to have some transparency on your job with clients instead of presenting as polished and seamless and having it all figured out or having great knowledge or having all the answers. Because just having an authentic connection with another human and hearing their journey can give people so much hope and can spark them into finding their own answers. So never underestimate sharing your own journey with other people. Great red flag is being around wannabe healers who tell you about their visions and their mission and what they're doing. And, and no one's asked. <laughs> no one's interested. If you got a vision and you're on a mission, why do you have to broadcast it? Why aren't you just quietly doing it? It's between you and spirit. So watch out for those folks who let you know their secret connections with spirit and their sacred mission that they're on. Remember, this is the era of having a great story. Everything has a story. Milk cartons have stories on them now. Egg cartons have stories on them. Less story, the more I'm interested, the more I'm listening. So being a secret agent by being on your own journey 
And if you're on your own journey, very often, if not always, you will be pushed in a very subtle way by spirit to say something to someone kind of out of the blue, not advice, but you might just say something about the nature of people or, you know, when someone insults me and hurts me, I do this. And you're thinking, why am I telling this person this? And later they tell you, when you said that to me, my whole relationship with my mother flashed before my eyes and just something changed. My own teacher has a great method of teaching, which is very often he talks to someone about a topic, an issue, and then he'll turn to someone else and say, did you hear what I said? And the person he asks that of could not have tolerated a direct conversation about that topic because it's too triggering and they're braced and defensive, but they're listening with great interest as he talks to someone else about something that is so relevant to them. And that is another great way to do healing, which is you get a push from spirit to talk about a subject matter to someone, but others who are listening are the ones that really need to hear that. But you can't choose to do that. You cannot choose to do that. It is that you are chosen to do that. Well, here's another little piece of this is that someone asks you for help, but they're incredibly resistant. I they know that you want them to ask, so they ask, but they really are just locked down and braced. What do you do then? Well, what I do is I pray. I stop and I pray. I wait to see how spirit directs me. And sometimes the answer is I can't help you right now. Because that brings us to another topic, which is healers always think we have to relieve pain. But the pain is there for a reason, because most humans only learn under the pressure of pain. Most humans are not out there searching for answers as soon as they've got money coming in, they've got some sex, they've got some friends, they've got some fun. That's about it. <laughs> At least in the West. I don't know about Eastern countries, how they are these days. So sometimes the answer is I can't help you right now with that pain, but I can help you see the lesson that's coming in, the learning, because the faster we learn, the quicker the pain abates. And that goes for all pain, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. If you are kind of addicted to alleviating pain, hopefully you will get a job where people come to you in pain, where you're a nurse, 
or a social worker, something like that, because then people are asking for your help. They're coming in with pain as their teacher. And then the question is, do we just take away the pain? Because to me, that's taking away the lesson. In some cases, again, how do we decide some cases? Spirit decides. In some cases, taking away pain can show people a brighter future, and then the pain is going to come back until they can get to that brighter future themselves. An example is removing entities. People can feel the difference, like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm a whole different person. Yes, you are, but go back to the same old stuff you've been doing, and the entity will come back because entities like to eat, so to speak. They feed, and the only way we get entities is there's some kind of crack in our energy field in the first place. The crack needs to be repaired. If we self-repair it, the entities just drop off all by themselves. You become not such delicious food as your energy field gets healed. But someone can also remove the entity, give you a chance to heal, hopefully rather quickly, and then the entity can't get back in. But if you just remove it, then it's going to come back. It's like throwing a mouse out of the house, but how the mouse got in is still there. So the mouse is going to come back because the food's still out and the door's still open. <laughs> so healing doesn't, to me, mean relieving pain and solving problems. What it means to me is we may do those things, but we want to make sure that we are teaching the person how to do this for themselves and teaching them how to learn the lesson that's coming in with the discomfort. Because otherwise, this person is going to be coming back to you over and over and over or running around from healer to healer to healer or therapist to therapist to therapist without being given the tools for self-care, self-repair, self-growth. And when I say self, I always mean self is in partnership with spirit because the moment you are present with you, working on you, and allowing for the possibility that there is a higher power, that higher power is there with you. So self doesn't mean without spirit. It means owning this life owning your problems, owning the lessons, owning the pain. And not in a guilty way like people say stuff like, well, that's just the way I am. You know, I'm impatient or I'm a taker. But with that attitude of, oh, well, instead, right now, I'm a needy person. I take a lot. One day, that'll be different. But right now, that's where I'm at. That's a different way of reporting. So to me, we want to heal by handing over some knowledge or tools. 
are there exceptions to this? Absolutely. There's karma, there's karmic contracts, and there are some people who have come here to do physical healing, to do miraculous physical healings. There's a young boy named Adam up in Canada who healed a rock star and became famous overnight. His father took over his healing career so his son could remain slightly normal and go to college. As far as I know, there's very little advertisements, and he now has auditoriums with thousands of people in them, and people claim healing occurs. Having never met him, I don't know, though I do know on that individual level, he absolutely does profound physical healing. But I bet you we will see this in his life chart. It's not something he went after. It's something he just did naturally, kind of like when people say to me they're an artist or a musician, I'll say, oh, how many hours a day do you play or how many hours a day do you do your art? Because if you're an artist, you're doing art no matter what. If you are a dancer, you are practicing no matter what. <laughs> so if you're a healer or teacher or you want to help people in, in some capacity, you are studying that material because it's fun, not because you expect to get a job th that way or you want recognition, but that's what you'd rather do than play video games. So some people do have contracts to do healing. Um, uh, if you don't know Carolyn uh, Mace, M-Y-S-S, she opened up the field of being an intuitive medical reader slash healer. She was a journalist, and when she discovered she had this talent for being able to tell what was wrong in the body, she then studied eight hours a day for a couple of years to learn the body, learn medical systems, etc., to bolster her gift. And as her work developed, she also moved into the arena that you need to know who you are, archetypes, why you're here, etc., because that is completely related to physical healing and health. So she also became a teacher. To me, the best healers are teachers. So be careful about being drawn to the endorphin rush of making people feel better. And that's the new age industry right now. Didn't used to be that way, but that's what it's gone into. It's a feel-good industry, so you go through sessions and workshops, you learn amazing things, have amazing, incredible experiences, and then you go back to your life, and does that really hand off tools for you to continue, or are you then told, come back for more workshops? I'm sure there's some good new age 
stuff out there with integrity, but there's a lot out there that isn't good. Just like any field, plumbers, car repair people, etc. Another thing I look for in terms of healing is that slight sense always of I'm not really sure what I'm doing because I am not in charge. This doesn't mean I have no training, I have no idea, I'm smoking a doobie and now, you know, I'm going to heal you, man, it's going to be amazing. And, and, and that might happen. Those things do happen. Absolutely. The question is whether they endure or not. Kind of like putting a Band-Aid on an infected wound and for the moment it feels good, but has it cleared up the infection? So what I'm talking about is I have a body of knowledge. I've learned things. I've learned about energy. I've learned about homeopathic remedies or herbs or even uh, the different tiers of energy work if you want to go just that way. I've also learned some psychology. I've learned about multiple intelligences from science. There's research on this stuff. Maybe I've studied a little bit about how to teach, how to approach people, how to have boundaries, how to recognize red flags. But then when it comes down to the actual healing, the actual encounter, the actual teaching, it's a we, not an I. So my prep as a professor was always meditation before class. I Yes, I had prepared eight hours of material for a four-hour class. Depending on the mood of the class, I could go a number of different ways with teaching that day. Over-prepared, but the actual final prep was getting my energy in order, getting in my body, calling in spirit, and seeing what happens. And no, I wasn't perfect at it either because my own learning is always continuing. So if someone talks to you or someone's in your life or someone comes to you and you want to be a healer with them, you feel that urge, take 30 seconds to breathe and internally help me, show me. Help me, show me. Or you can try, thy will be done, not mine. And then see what happens. The cool thing is that when you work like this, you too will be shocked and surprised by the miracles that happen. And with each encounter, you will learn something also. Because working as a we, instead of an I, Olympia, you get lessened as well by spirit. And you can do this in any job. I got, uh, what do you call it, arthroscopic knee surgery. 
And before I went under, the doctor came up, said, do you mind if we pray? Of course not. And he prayed. I thought, wow, that's pretty astounding. There's a we operating on my knee. And how humble that is. As a professor, I never told people how I prepped for classes. I talked to them about lesson plans, which I never used or looked at, but I had to write them up and file them, so I did. The main thing about healing is to make sure that you're doing your own work and that you're connecting, that it's how you do something, not what you do. I went to a pranic healer one time and she was dancing around and doing all the right movements and pulling all these strands, etc. And I didn't feel anything and I was just so bored. And then she got really mad at me. I guess she could see or feel, I'm not sure which, that not much was happening. I was trying to be well behaved, to be respectful. She goes, I'm working so hard here. Don't you feel anything? And I, no, I don't. I felt awful for her and actually for me because I don't like being bored. So she learned everything. She was making all the right motions and it looked pretty spectacular. And at least for me, I didn't feel anything. So, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. If you're a social worker and you're doing intake, you have to do intake, but how you do it can set up a session with real connection. It can also set up, oh, another person in the bureaucracy. Learn whatever methodologies you are drawn to for healing. Whether it's physical, psychological, spiritual. Come on, Pete. Learn them because it's fun and you like it and you want to learn it. Go after jobs that you like, that appeal to you. And bring your healing into that. If your chart tells you you're going to be a professional healer or teacher at some point, it still could be that you're a school counselor or a social worker, not necessarily um, removing entities and stabilizing other lifetimes or anything else that you think is exotic. And if it's in your chart, it will come get you. You do not have to go get it. But in the meantime, no matter what, you need to have a life. And you need to have a path. And if you think that you can say things like, well, then I told him this, so he got it, and he saw the picture, that is not healing or teaching. That is ego. Another thing I would say with healing is that very often, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. 
Well, I always don't know what the outcome's going to be, but even afterwards, if somebody says, oh, you know, physically, all of this great stuff happened, like, people come to my classes, and a lot of their physical problems go away, and they're like, oh, this is miraculous, as if they've been healed, but what I've learned is very often this happens to show people how good it could be for them if they do their work. So after a year or two of not doing work and just feeling good, coming to classes and feeling good, their physical problems come back or new physical problems come in. That's what I mean about not knowing about the outcome. So I can't say, oh, come to my classes and you'll be healed. No, come to my classes, you'll be shown a lot of things, but you will be healed when you work on yourself. Ultimately, all the rough stuff in our life happens to teach us. Take away the lesson as a healer, and it's going to come back to that person in another way. Promise. In some very rare cases with some very highly developed people, they can actually, I want to say... um, reduce lessons for people but that is an energetic exchange and the teacher takes on a tremendous burden for doing that and that's a whole other topic not one for the general public not understandable unless you're really working with cultivating energy and even then it's a little bit hard for people to grasp it Eastern thought, not Western. I would sum it up by saying, become a healer by working on yourself and sharing your experience, strength, and hope, having healthy boundaries, being able to be appropriately transparent, Be willing to negotiate. Wait for people to ask for help. Sometimes you can ask them if they want some help or advice or do they just need you to listen. And before taking any action to help someone, take a minute, take 30 seconds to go inside and breathe and pray for help, guidance, help me, show me. That will be done, not mine, and let go of the results. And trust that if you're doing all of that, Spirit will put you exactly where you need to be to help the most people. But if your life isn't in order, you cannot help people in a healthy fashion. And it also means you're dodging your lessons. And that comes first. Once you start helping other people, by the way, your lessons do not go away. They will stay with you. Every healer I've known that has not followed this consciousness of keeping to work on themselves has a great rise to the top and they've 
uh, somebody came and talked to them and invented all this healing methodology. And then they made a deck of cards that changes the neurochemistry of the brain. And I mean, really great healing methodologies, fabulous stuff. And within a few years, these people crash because they're not working on themselves. They're not doing their own life. And they got swept up in the sex, drugs, rock and roll of being a healer and getting recognition for it. And when people get recognition and they get success, that's when they most often go off the rails big time. They make the most money, they steal, they get the most recognition, they become egomaniacs and self-righteous, take advantage of people. Stay balanced. Success or failure, neither one should make a big difference to you. Either one, you want to keep your practice, keep working on yourself, keep praying for guidance, and helping those around you, trusting that they're around you because Spirit placed them around you for you to learn and for them to learn. Very humble. Not very appealing when it's put that way, I guess, to a lot of people. I hope this helps. Study, learn, pray, have lots of fun. Enjoy the journey. Hope to see you at Life Path Healings.